Welcome to the Play Golf in College podcast with all things junior golf and college golf. Now here are your hosts, Coach Mark McDonald and PGIC founder, Coach Brad Sparling. All right, this week on the Play Golf in College podcast, we are excited to have Jay Wirtz and Bob Wagner with us. They are the fathers of two of our kids that we worked with for years that are going to be playing golf in college next year. And this week, we're going to talk about the recruiting process from a parent's perspective. And we're going to leave this a little open-ended. Um, but Mark, I know you've, you've got some questions you want to lead off for us. Absolutely. So first off, Jay and Bob, thanks again for being with us today. Uh, let's get started with just a little bit of background on uh, the Wirtz family and the Wagner family, if you don't mind. Jay, if you want to start. Sure, I'll be glad to. Uh, my, my wife, Kathy, and I are the uh, proud parents of two boys, uh, Alex, who is 20 and a junior at Indiana University. Uh, not an athlete, but uh, working hard in school, and it, it helps provide an interesting perspective seeing his experience as a uh, as a student in a very competitive program, as I consider what Jack's experience will be like as a student athlete. Uh, and Jack is 18, uh, senior at Elder High School, uh, and uh, excited to be on his way to, to play golf at Xavier University in the fall. Awesome. Bob, if you could give us a little bit of background as well. Sure. Um, my wife, Megan, and I uh, are in Dublin, Ohio. We our proud parents of uh, two high schoolers coming through the Dublin Jerome High School. Uh, Megan is a stepmom, and my son Mason's uh, mother is Nicole Thompson. Um, I would say in our blended family, this is definitely a team effort and uh, takes a village. Uh, Mason is the first of our athletes, and uh, we're watching our freshman daughter compete in basketball and to my chagrin she has stopped actively competing in golf but uh you know we're awfully proud of mason and do everything we can to travel with him and uh support his dreams here awesome thank you guys all right so first question i've got for you tell us a little bit about when your son started playing the game uh and just a little bit about their athletic background uh, interestingly, Jack and I actually started playing golf together uh, when he was seven years old. We uh, joined a local golf club, kind of on a lark. Had absolutely it's all making it's all making sense where he got all of his ability from now. <laughs> Despite that, and uh, you know, it was something that it was something that we just really again did as a lark together, and uh, some great father son time there. And it's it's fair to say his games progressed a little bit more than mine over the past decade. Uh, before that, you know, Jack was a very good basketball player and uh, pitcher, and uh, he uh, he had one year on the gridiron, and uh, that was enough for him. So, uh, but but despite that early start with golf, uh, we never imagined that he would progress to where he's at now, and I'll I'll speak to that later. Awesome. Let's hear. Uh, hey, Bob, tell us a little bit about Mason and his his background with some other sports. Well. Um... Early on, a lot of baseball, a lot of basketball, um, at a junior high level, uh, lacrosse, and uh, 
you know, here in the high school years, uh, you know, narrowing that, isolating it to golf. I think the multi-sports approach builds a lot of different muscle groups. And um, I really would have guessed he'd have been a baseball player. He had a lot of passion, a lot of hand-eye, and, uh, you know, used to hit the baseball, you know, pretty strong. So uh, I think, you know, our job as parents, part of it is just making sure the kids find their passion. And without question, golf has become that for Mason. It was Love funny. That. We Jack, agree hundred percent. It was funny with Jack because uh, with with like Bob said, I I would have guessed his uh, future would have been in baseball. And uh, after his uh, freshman year of high school, when he told his select baseball coach, who has a a long history in baseball and knows baseball the way you know guys guys know golf, he said, "Jay, I want to let you know that if Jack gives up baseball, you know he's likely giving up the ability to be a pitcher at the D one level." In his estimation. And uh, it was it was kind of an interesting challenge. And fortunately, the golf thing worked out a little bit. Otherwise, that might have been a little bit of a, you know, a risky move. But uh, I, I second what Bob said that up to a point, I think the multiple sport thing is is really uh, helpful. It does pose a challenge in my experience later, though, when you have to determine at what point do you have to really seriously commit to golf to, to reach the, the next level. So let's let's talk about that. That's a great question, a great topic. So when did you guys figure out that, hey, golf is really, you know, going to be our son's thing? And how did you go about determining what steps to take at that point in time? Yeah. So uh, in Mason's case, I would I would suggest that he was a late bloomer, without question. <laughs> and uh, Mason began golf at the ripe old age of. Uh, 12 years old and uh, got him involved in some group lessons. Um, I saw a natural fluidity to his swing, but it was pretty raw and he'd not played a lot. And I think one of, one of the interest points of Mason's story is, uh, you know, he was cut from the seventh grade middle school team. And uh, from there, it was his own determination uh, to kind of rally back and begin to play with a great group of boys locally here in Dublin, Ohio. And, um, and, and it was really the age of 15, almost 16, uh, where we met Coach Farling and joined the PGIC process. And that obviously has made a material difference in his development. So you're telling me he's got the same trajectory as MJ, cut for his team, won a state <laughs> yeah. championship. Now next year he's got to make like the winning putt to win a national championship, man, because that's what MJ did. Well, I think he's a late bloomer. We'll see where the ceiling is. <laughs> I don't think we're there yet. Um, but when I think about not making a seventh grade team, and yes, we joked about Michael Jordan not making the seventh grade basketball team. I think it's just, um, you know, the grit that you develop at a young age and the determination to make yourself better. I think it was a great life lesson for my son and for me as a parent to watch his level of determination to execute and become better. And, uh, you know, fortunately in, in our family's case, Mason was particularly self-driven. And so that was a, a huge determinant in his development curve. 
He absolutely has a uh, toughness and a determination about him that uh, has served him very well in the past and will in the future, too. No question about it. Jay, tell us a little bit about Jack's Jack's journey right here. Yeah, so um, it's interesting. Again, with no history or, or background uh, for myself in, in, in golf, I didn't know a thing about golf. And I, I vividly remember uh, Jack was playing uh, one of these junior golf eighth grade tournaments, uh, and his future high school coach came up to me. And, you know, Jack was pretty well known because he's a big kid and has a lot of natural talent. Um, and he said, hey, you know, Jack, uh, Jack's going to play college golf one day if he wants to. And I was like, get out of here. No way. I mean, I, I literally thought the guy was uh, way off base and uh, just showed my naivety about the world of competitive golf. I had no clue how to do it. And again, kind of would have guessed the other sports were, were more likely going to be the, the, the thing that he'd stick with in college. Uh, the one thing looking back that I saw, though, um, there was a joy to compete at an early age that was much stronger in golf than it was in the other sports. And I, I think that's something really important, you know, that natural joy and love of the game. And uh, trying, to, trying to maintain that, obviously, as they grow in the game can be a challenge. Um, it, it's interesting. So that naivety I had, I, I started doing some research about, okay, how do we, if he has the ability to play in college, how do we do it? And I stumbled across a, a recruiting type company uh, based out West, uh, talked to a guy on the phone that basically explained how they were going to make sure Jack played college golf. Nice guy, nice website. But I, I asked him at one point, you know, how are you ever going to be able to do that if you never meet him and never see him play? And he didn't really have a good answer so that, that kind of caused me to scratch my head a little bit about the way forward. And uh, fortunately, um, met Mark McDonald uh, probably two or three months after that, right before signing a contract I think I would have regretted. And uh, it, it really was just a game changer for us. What? And so that would have been, was that his freshman year then? He would have contacted or soft, going into his sophomore year? Is that when you guys would have kind of started the recruiting process, if you will, or maybe you guys first thought you had the potential of him playing at the next level. Is that when that would have been? Yeah, really, you know, that, that, that coach telling us that eighth grade year. And then I vividly remember right after freshman year of high school, Jack got the opportunity to play with uh, uh, some very skilled college golfers here in town. And they basically said, Hey, you, you've got the game to uh, play at the next level if you work on it. And they said, um, you know, we'd like to introduce you one of these days to the coach here, the college coach. And uh, so Jack called him, he picked up the phone and the coach said, hey, can you be here in 15 minutes? And uh, <laughs> it was kind of a little bit of a panic moment. So that's when Jack in earnest, I think started really taking it seriously when he sat down with, with the coach. And uh, you know that, that led to very shortly after that meeting Mark. And then uh, you know, with, without play golf in college kind of steering us through this journey, I, I don't think we would have ended up where we did. Um, so it, it, it's just, uh, it's funny how it all happened. Uh, I consider it a little bit of kind of serendipity that our paths crossed the way, the way it did Mark. Absolutely. And Bob, I'm going to ask you this question as well. How for, for you, Jay, how did you and Kathy feel, uh, as you guys first got started going down this process of the recruiting process? Uh, overwhelmed. Um, when you have a, a kid that that's gifted, be it in academics or athletics, by the way, for our listeners, your son is six six. He's <laughs> he's a big kid. We're not we're not talking when you said big earlier. We're 
He's very tall. So just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, he's got a big mother, and by that I mean tall mother. Also. So that's where it comes from. And, um, but, but um, yeah, no, it was overwhelming because, again, the pressure to make sure that we're providing the right guidance and opportunities to our children to pursue their passion, uh, that was something that uh, I think no amount of research or reading could have supplanted the, the things that you were able to help us with. It, it really was an answer to what we were missing. And I, I had no clue that anything like play golf in college existed, not growing up in that world. And, and I think uh, Cincinnati, in, in my estimation, is not the hotbed of golf the way Columbus is, where there's a lot stronger, in my opinion, golf community. Um, so, uh, again, it, it's uh, meeting Mark at Ohio State at the state tournament in the, in the fall of 2016 was, was literally a game changer. Awesome. Bob, if, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about uh, your guys' experience on, on when you got connected with Brad and maybe your initial feelings with, with Mason on, on when you guys got started. Yeah, we got connected with Brad, uh, you know, in retrospect, maybe a little late. Uh, the summer between the freshman and sophomore year, uh, and uh, maybe it was a twinge earlier in that, I don't recall, but... Uh, you know, as I networked across with other Dublin area parents, uh, Coach Sparling's name continued to come up. The credibility of PGIC is really about results. And so I began to study the local Dublin area players that had gone on to play in college. And uh, I, I just was impressed. And uh, so we went to a first night tryout, uh, never looked back. And um it, it wasn't really until the the pre-junior year time period where we, we sat down with Coach Farling and uh, he shared his view that Mason had D1 player qualities. I remember being in shock and I remember being very excited and very proud. But, I, you know, to Jay's comment a moment ago, overwhelming describes it well. I knew I had the the energy and the passion to help be a catalyst on behalf of my son uh, with zero starting point knowledge. And so it really is a process, uh, just like the player swing development, the recruiting process is a process. And I can't imagine attempting to do that alone. And so for me, it starts with uh, asking the right questions, but seeking the relationships and the knowledge that the PGIC team has, uh, particularly background and relationships with college coaches, uh, candidly, in my view, are everything. And so uh, that made for an easy platform for jumpstarting the recruiting process in our particular case for Mason. Uh, in reflection, maybe six months to a year later than I would have preferred uh, but again, back to the late bloomer elements for Mason, uh, he really wasn't putting up the competitive scores early on. And so we we were pressed uh, to get moving quickly. And, you know, Brad and, and, and the PGIC team really, you know, gave that a lot of energy and uh, we went pretty fast. Thanks. <clears throat> Talking about recruiting and, and starting at a early age, is there anything you wish you'd done differently looking back at it now, other than maybe starting a little bit earlier? Yeah, this is Bob. I, I do want to jump in there. 
the uh, I know Jay probably has some more stories here too. In Mason's case, in retrospect, I wish I personally would have done a better job with scheduling of higher degree difficulty tournaments. It's hard to break in to some of those tournaments mm -hmm. uh, and qualify for them. But the reality is the rigor around tournament scheduling, and I'm not referring to the high school season, I'm referring here to the non-high school time period, that is really a science. And, and so I think gaining some insights uh, from someone like a PGIC team, it really made the difference. And so we began to play a variety of tournaments, not just in one particular junior tour that began to give us some scores and some credibility on junior golf scoreboard that uh, began to really change the trajectory of Mason's ranking and, uh, you know, the practical nature of his being able to be recruited and noticed. And so I can remember a few sessions on the couch with Brad in Coach Sparling's basement where I was the student with Mason taking notes as to, you know, which tournaments to play, where to go and why. Uh, and that council made candidly all the difference in how we went about it. Yeah, I'll echo those comments. Uh, I remember vividly sitting at Panera with Mark and his laptop as he reeled off all of these uh, exotic sounding tournaments that I'd never heard of before. <laughs> it's kind of like a secret uh, society here of, you know, what you try to do to play at that next level. And um, I think looking back, the, the one thing that uh, I'll also echo that Bob said, Jack, Jack wishes ideally he would have made the commitment to get serious about a year earlier. Um, getting serious, you know, essentially after his sophomore year in high school, I think it cut it close on his goal to try to play D1 golf. And um, fortunately, things worked out. But, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it's really a challenge, obviously, to get the stars to align to play at that highest level if that's what you know, the child seeks to do. Mm -hmm. Do either of you have any advice for any other parents besides uh, may possibly starting earlier or making sure uh, the tournament scheduling uh, is in check? What, what advice would you give uh, maybe a parent, maybe a fellow Dublin parent or a fellow Cincinnati parent that is kind of just getting started on the recruiting process? Uh, this is Bob. I'll, I'll take that one. I, I really feel like networking with other parents um, is very opportunistic. And so going to the parents of existing high school team members that are one or two years in front of your son or daughter is a highly credible way to gather information. And, and then I think using the PGIC process you know, brainstorming around tournaments. Um, parents have, to me, a, a big role in helping the drafting of some written correspondence to coaches. Um, there is, uh, of course, an on-site recruiting presence that I think parents with players can be a, a family learning approach. Um, we've said it on this uh, podcast already, but Starting earlier is better. And if you don't think you have the scores, uh, that's okay. Keep pressing with persistence because I think that that matters. And um, creating a, a brand, you know, my son and I talked a lot about creating a brand and the ability to sit in front of a coach and present yourself. And I can 
very candidly say Coach Sparling inspired Mason to sit up a little straighter, talk a little clearer, uh, dress to impress, and be able to present yourself. And that maturity that you see in your own son across the uh, you know junior and senior high school years was for us phenomenal. So uh, re really neat to see. I'm going to jump in here very quickly and just add a, a comment there that I think would be helpful for parents uh, or players listening in. I mean, I do agree that you need to start as early as possible just to get a uh, jump on things in terms of recruiting. Um, but we're always open to, you know, if you've got a seventh or eighth grader and you're thinking about, hey, they may want to play college golf. I'm not sure if they're good enough. We're always open to doing evaluations. And if you're not in our area, but you're somewhere else around the country, you know, find a respected teacher, somebody that's played in college, um, somebody that's going to give you honest feedback on where they likely project. And, and uh, since starting early is so important, I think that would be very helpful for a lot of people. That original question? Sure, sure, about what advice, more or less, to pass along to parents that are considering this. Um, I think one of the things I learned from working with Mark was to, to make sure that your, your child truly understands what playing golf in college means, the time commitment that's necessary, the, the focus to do it well. I don't think anybody wants to go uh, to college and not play for four years and put in all that hard work. So um, basically, you know, making sure that, that you guys, through your simulations you do on the trips you take uh, your golfers on, that they understand this is a huge time commitment. It's a huge mental and physical energy commitment. Are you up for that? Um, my older son, who's a, a junior in the Kelly School of Business over at Indiana University, that's a terribly demanding program. There's no way uh, he would be able to put, pull off playing a Division One sport while doing that. And I've, I've heard it said by parents before that if, if your child wants to be a student athlete to, to, to succeed, they're probably going to have to make some sacrifices elsewhere. You know, they're not going to necessarily be able to pursue certain majors or um, to get deeply immersed in Greek life, for instance, if they want to do it well at a high level. Um, I think another thing I'd tell people, and this is more geared, I think, towards the parents, is to, to not lose sight of the fact yourself and with your child that the reason the kids started playing golf was because it was fun and it brought a ton of joy to them. And it, it can be absolutely exasperating as a player, as a parent out there. And I, I have a tendency to think and hope that improvement is a linear thing. You know, when they win that big tournament, when they break 70, you think, okay, they've broken through. And uh, I, I think, you know, it's, it's when they break 70 and then the next time out they break 80 <laughs> that you have to uh, <laughs> kind of test your metal and remind them that that's going to happen. Um, you know, you're not going to have this stair step of improvement in this game. And, you know, it's a cliche, but uh, trusting the process, trusting that hard work will deliver results and that, that PGIC – knows how to do this. They've done it successfully, personally, as players, as coaches. And um, I've just really, the, the care that you have for your players, not just as, as, as players, but as people, and the development of them as young people, I'll second what Bob said, uh, you know, teaching them the basics that are gonna serve them well beyond the golf course and how you deal with adults, how you present yourself, your brand, that clearly has uh, rubbed off on Jack uh, uh, outside of the golf course also.
and Brad, you and I talked about this a little bit last week when we recorded a podcast on developing junior golfers. And I, I had mentioned that the recruiting process is obviously, it's kind of a strange process, but I think there are many opportunities for these young boy or girl, young boys or girls to mature quite a bit and learn a lot about mm. life through this process. And, uh, Bob, like you said, whether it's, um, kind of learning more or less interview skills in some, some capacity or just learning how to, uh, talk with a fellow adult or be able to convey really what you're trying to convey. Those are skills that are going to benefit these young boys or girls many, many years moving down the road as well. Yep. Couldn't have said it better. No doubt. How would you, this is, and this goes a little bit off of what you were saying, Jay, how would you describe, uh, your and Kathy's role during the recruiting process, or maybe the parents' role in general, or what advice you would give to fellow parents uh, on how they should help their son or daughter navigate this process? I, I think that's a great question, but if you can also touch on, Jay, not only the recruiting process, but as a parent watching your son play, talk about that too, because I think that's critical. Okay, sure. Be glad to. Uh, I'd say the biggest role that the parents have is writing the checks to fund the journey, right? Uh, <laughs> no, no. All, all kidding aside, even with that, you know, we all know that to do this can be expensive. But, you know, in our case, you know, we've been fortunate to receive what I calculate to be a four to five times return on the investment of money we've spent in this journey. So it all worked out well. I feel good about that. Um you know, I, I think the other thing, though, Brad, that you bring up, uh, obviously, you want to be supportive. You want to be there for your child. Um, you have to, you know, I, we all see bad behavior at tournaments, um, whether it's golf or other sports, where parents um, are visibly showing their disappointment in their their child. It can be vocal. It can be back turned to them after a bad hole, head in hands. And those things affect um, the, the, the athlete. So I think really trying to um, be patient, to not show your emotions. And when they have a bad round, when the car door closes, to not say first, what the heck happened out there? Let them talk about it. It's a hard mm -hmm. game. They are not trying to play poorly. They're going to play poorly at times. And uh, I think parents can really uh, unwittingly at times uh, add to the pressure. And, and, and there's enough pressure for these competitive kids to begin with. So I think it's probably common sense stuff that I'm saying there, but I see it violated pretty often uh, at junior tournaments. Great advice. Bob, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, just to build on Jay's comments. I mean, I think parents uh, are an extension of the player profile and brand. Um, I think of the PGIC coaches as an extension of the credibility of the player's brand. And so it does take a village. I think Jay's nailed it. Uh, the on-course professionalism, uh, knowing that elite junior golf has its ups and downs uh, and that you exhibit the same sportsmanship uh, that you would expect of your son or daughter. And uh, you never know when coaches are watching uh, at a major tournament, you may have a, an onlooker uh, who may or may not have that team's apparel on. And, uh, you know, I think we are role models for our children. We want them to be strong and competitive and poised and 
accomplished, but we also want them to find the fun and to represent our families and, and such in, in a positive manner. And, you know, that's a journey. And, and uh, every tournament and every drive home and every drive there or every flight there, as the case may be, are opportunities to compare notes, to inspire, and to uh, listen to the teaches, teachings of the, the PGIC folks. So it is all a circle of camaraderie that I think uh, inspires these young athletes. And the more positive voices that they can hear, uh, the more mature they can become and, and very, very competitive. So. Uh, I couldn't be more pleased with the mental approach that Coach Farling has used in the ability to inspire Mason's grit. And I think that's a huge makeup of his personality today. Not only an extension of mom and dad and, you know, sisters, et cetera, it is an extension of Coach Farling's mannerisms, his, his uh, communication ability, and the grit and determination come directly from those uh, iterative lessons where uh, small points are made that offer the determination down the road in a tough setting, uh, you know, and, and I would say even the course management elements of what are picked up in the tutorials besides the swing lessons all blend together with that persona on the course. So i um, offering a well-rounded approach, I guess. So I'm uh, not, nothing but uh, positive remarks in terms of um, player coach, player parent, uh, on-course demeanor. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, Mark has, has impressed uh, uh, on Jack, you know, that he is going to be firm with him. He is going to push him at times. Jack's always responded better to a coach that does that than somebody that has more of a hands-off attitude. And I think building that sense of accountability um, uh, and, uh, you know, holding them uh, responsible. Are, are you putting in the work you need to put into? Um, you know, I think as, as our engagement <clears throat> has continued the last couple of years with Mark, uh, an epiphany that I learned personally, and I think certainly Jack did last fall, was Mark said, you know, as you're preparing to play D1 golf, you're going to find more and more the things you do off the course to prepare are going to be much, much more important than, you know, having your swing refined and, and just beating balls to death. And I think that's the next layer in the journey probably is learning that all those little prep things add up in, in hopefully uh, big ways over time. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good point, Jay. And I, I even have had this conversation recently with some college players and it, it comes to the point where their golf swing gets to a point where they're saying, well, how many shots is your golf swing really costing you right now? I mean, cause it's, it's in a really good spot where it's not like we're going to improve it to an extent where they're going to drop another five shots off their scoring average. So I think this is one of the, one of the things that I really enjoy about what Brad and I do is just this holistic approach that we bring and um, try to convey to the players how much everything matters in this whole scope of things. Um, and and like you said earlier, when you get to college, how those things off the golf course can impact your scoring in profound ways, uh, whether it's how you're managing your time. Uh, and again, this when you're playing in college, um, it's 
it's really a full-time job. It really is. Um, and being able to, to balance everything out, uh, is important to playing successfully. Uh, and uh, the sooner we can start impressing that on these players, I think the more prepared they're going to be when they get there. Well said. I, I do have one point to add. This is Bob. When I think about the recruiting process and everything that led up to it, Quite candidly, this is a multi-year approach. This is a multi-year journey. And the rapport that the athlete has with the coach goes far beyond the swing. I mentioned course management, but even maturity and behavior expectations are conveyed along the way. And so when I, when I think of a recruiting process, I think of all the ingredients and the recipe that led to legitimate recruiting opportunities it starts far before that first coach outreach email or phone call yeah absolutely hey let's talk about the role of the parents when we're actually on campus in front of a coach on recruiting visits that's a very important part of this whole process and i think um your insight feedback thoughts on that would be invaluable. Um, talk to us about your experience being in front of a coach, advice you'd give other parents going through this process or, or thinking about starting. I can take that one first. Um, I, I think to resist the urge to, to speak for your child, to listen, even though sometimes there will be some uncomfortable pauses out of teenage boys in particular as they <laughs> have to answer some tough questions, right? We're not used to necessarily seeing our kids put on the spot like that. And it's a learning experience for them. I mean, we, we, we went on multiple visits and some of them went well and some of them went not so well. And um, through it all though, it's a learning experience, right? And um, I think clearly too, I, I think, you know, the parents by being supportive, by going, by listening, by not prejudicing the child with our opinions, um, is important. And, and then I think, you know, once you talk to three, four or five coaches, you go to three or four or five different campuses, it really helps the right choice emerge. Um, I was, uh, somewhat impatient by nature about trying to figure out, you know, when is this, when is this ship going to land? And Mark just continued counseling me to be patient, to let the process play out until one day when the call came, he said, okay, Jay, it's time. And uh, boom, things went in motion quickly and they, they ended up wonderfully. So um, I think, you know, being there, being on the journey, but not trying to control the journey and, and trusting PGIC. Um, you, you guys have been down this road a couple of times. You know, the world works and uh, and uh, just being supportive. Bob, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think the number one in reflection, right? The number one concept that sticks out for me is that the athlete uh, must own the process. And what I mean by that is uh, from the emails, from the phone calls to then the on-site visits, it's really the athlete. I love, Jay, what you just mentioned about uh, resisting the urge to speak on behalf of your son or daughter. I fully agree with that. And that takes some repetition. Um, it takes some practice. Most athletes have uh, two to three top schools, perhaps, in mind. Uh, some more fortunate, perhaps more. But I think it takes a couple of visits at uh, 
some schools that maybe aren't part of those top considerations to work the kinks out. Uh, in our case, that wasn't the that that wasn't the actual scenario. So we had to have a few practice runs, have a few simulated discussions, and talked extensively about how to answer questions and uh, how to sit up straighter and 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 be professional. You know what? These boys have to be themselves, and it ought to be a fun process. It ought to be a relaxed environment where they can uh, speak freely and talk about the game of golf that, that they love. And so I think it starts with the athletes owning the process. It's a persistence. Um, and and uh, it, it all, in, in retrospect, ended up very positive for us. Uh, because even the visits we went on where offers weren't extended, uh, we learned something. And I think it's those lessons learned and compartmentalizing those learnings. It, it tends to bleed towards a clear decision. And uh, I think it's, it's some of the best memories I'll ever have is going on recruiting visits, uh, speaking with Coach Sparling before and after, and using that sounding board for okay, so no kidding around. What are the next steps? And uh, Coach Sparling's been outstanding in that area. Well, one thing I'll add also is that I, I really prized the fact that you uh, both are really good at PGIC of, of matching the type of coach with the type of player. I remember many times Mark saying, I think this coach would really be an excellent fit for your son, and he might not fit as well in this program, and, and here's why. And and uh, it just led us uh, to the point where, you know, when Jack did make his decision to commit to Xavier, uh, it just felt like a perfect alignment with Coach McCants that he would be the type of coach that would, you know, help, you know, get the most out of, of Jack as a, a player uh, and as a person. So I think promoting that alignment um, based on your knowledge of your players' personalities and the personalities of different coaches is also something I would have never been able to figure out on my own. I wouldn't have even known it was an issue. Brad and I have preached this about about finding the right fit and how important that is in a school. Uh, and and we've talked about our opinions and what's important when trying to find that right fit. What would you guys say uh, as you went through this process with your sons, some of the things that you thought that were very important for them when finding the right fit? Yeah, I'll address that. I think it's a it's a a composition of multiple factors, right? And as parents, we we value education. Uh, yes, we want our son or daughter to end up on the professional tour, but in the event that doesn't happen, the education is is uh, very very valuable. It's a life experience. Um, I think it has everything to do with the coach and the personality of that, that coach, the prospective teammates. And of course, then uh, the facilities. So we got a lot of education on those visits about the differences in facilities, the personalities of the coach, the team members, and it's been mentioned, but the fit and the chance to play. Um, to play and, and uh, you know, knock on wood, hopefully somewhat early in the college years, the chance to play and contribute and learn. And so that really are a multitude of factors. And, you know, I know in, in the Wagner family cases, I 
like a lot of things, I built a spreadsheet. I had the coaches down. I had facilities. I looked at fit. Uh, but you know what? Looking back at that spreadsheet, it's kind of silly because the guidance that I received from Coach Sparling ended up to be more of the differentiator than not. And, uh, and so, too, the relationships and the credibility uh, of the PGI team and really testimony on behalf of my son's capabilities uh, speak volumes. Yes, the tournament scores matter. Yes, the credibility of the uh, tournaments and, and the high school achievements, that's all fine. But for us, I think behind the curtain, what really mattered was the testimony of the PGIC uh, coach insights matters more than the players self-advocacy or the or the parents input of yes we're biased towards our children and our kids capabilities but um, i think that third party validation is a massive part of the of the pgic value jay any thoughts to add on that yeah just briefly i think also um one thing i heard early in the process that resonated is <clears throat> make sure that you can envision attending that school if golf falls through, mm -hmm. you know, if you're injured, if you don't play, is it a place where you could foresee yourself thriving, doing well academically? Um, because you're going to spend four years of your life there. So um, I, I think that's an important consideration also. Amen. Absolutely. I think this, once again, whether Jay, what you said, or Bob, what you said with, with about uh, getting to know coaches, again, this is what's really important about getting on those visits uh, talking with talking on the phone with coaches, making sure you're asking really good questions. Um, those are those are the ways of of finding those things out. That's why it's so important. Anything else you two would like to share with our listeners in terms of the recruiting process or or your perspective? Something that would be helpful to the people listening. Uh, this is Bob. I guess my closing remarks are something that's resonating on this call with me, with Jay's input as well. Is you know this is really a team effort. So mom and dad can be spirited, uh, the son or daughter can be talented and uh, have an appetite to approach the recruiting process, but it also involves a third party set of counsel and encouragement and validation. And so uh, it's humbling to think that it's not just your son or daughter, it's not just the parent's involvement, it very much can be uh, the use of a, of a coaching service, a set of coaches that know other college coaches, that really represents the village it takes to execute well along the recruiting journey. And um, I'm very proud of my son, but setting that aside, uh, I'm very appreciative with a lot of gratitude towards the PGIC team. Absolutely. I, I think that the, the, the synergy of having the player development recruiting and instruction handled under one roof really makes the process a lot easier. I can't imagine trying to coordinate this with, with uh, unconnected parties. And I, I would just encourage parents that think their child wants to play golf in college to really to get help. Um, I, I would view it very, very difficult to try to do this by yourself. And unless your kid's just consist consistently shooting in the 60s, the odds of them winding up at the best place um, for themselves without assistance to me seems very very low so for me it was a the return on the investment of time and money 
with PGIC is, is one that uh, I, like Bob, I'm just very, very grateful that through happenstance, um, Mark came up to me at Ohio State Scarlet course in the fall of uh, 2016. I mean, that that is the pivot where things went in the right direction. And, uh, you know, it, it has the potential to, to, to change, uh, you know, our child's life by that chance encounter. So uh, thank you very much for, for everything you guys have done. It's been, been a great experience. Well, awesome. Um, you two have raised two outstanding young men, and we've been very privileged and fortunate to have the opportunity to work with them and help guide them in what little ways we can along this journey. Um, and it's a reflection of, of who you both are, I think, as, as their fathers. Um, and we're appreciative to have the relationships with you, too. That's what it's all about. So we can't thank, thank you guys enough for um, your involvement in this whole deal. It's it's been it's been awesome. Well, you know, it's the mothers really that are the key. Right? <laughs> That's you know definitely what? true. Yeah. The smart man. <laughs> it, it takes a village, and I think we'd be remiss on this call if we didn't give a quick shout out uh, to the Xavier program. And uh, I'll just conclude by saying, "Go X." There you go. And I will second that, Bob. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Love it. Thank guys. you, guys. This is awesome. Very helpful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a good day. Beautiful. Well done. Thank you, guys.